0: So, Joe, do you think that your governor wants to be president?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) You're so just like, yes, flat out.
1: I don't know how you wouldn't come to that conclusion after kind of watching the last um, 18 months.
0: Joe Sneavy covers Governor Kristi Noem for the Argus Leader in South Dakota. You sound a little exhausted when you say this.
1: Yeah, well, I've been covering it, you know, for about a year, pretty nonstop. And trying to keep up with it's kind of exhausting.
0: Over the last year, Governor Nome has gotten a lot of attention for these speeches she'll give to rooms full of Republican supporters, bragging she never shut down her state. COVID be damned. She's been showing up to Gladhand in Iowa, giving speeches at CPAC.
1: I mean, she travels a lot. She's constantly making noise on Twitter. You know, she, She's certainly not micromanaging the state departments, if that's a good way to put it.
0: All this exhausts Joe. Not so much because of all the miles reporters like him have to travel just to keep up with their governor. His exhaustion is more about the way she's running, with a brute force. It sometimes blows back on Joe himself, like back in February, when Noam called on Joe at a press conference. He was trying to ask her about shifting guidance on masks from the Centers for Disease Control.
1: Joe? Joe? Uh, you've been re- resistant to uh, implement mask mandates.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you're skeptical of their efficacy at times.
2: I never said that, Joe. Don't put uh, words in my mouth. Well,
1: And the CDC had just started recommending two masks, and we know she didn't issue a mask mandate early on. So I was actually trying to have fun with her, and I, I was trying to ask, like, so you won't do a single mask mandate? What about a double mask mandate? I mean, it was a silly question.
0: Only Joe never really got to tee up this softball.
1: So now that the CDC is recommending two masks... Well, the you, CDC you, has finish?
2: changed their recommendations many, many times. In fact, we've seen the CDC change their recommendations based on political pre- pressure in the past. Within hours,
0: this clip was getting circulated by Nome supporters, who are calling Joe a hack and praising the governor for her you-go-girl energy. That's precisely how you have to respond in this moment. It's a beautiful masterclass. Bravo, governor.
1: I got memed in the headlines where watch, you know, watch Gnome school liberal reporter who wants a double mask mandate. I actually was was uh, talking with some of her staff. I mean, they're conscientiously looking for those sound bites that can, and I, I can't, I don't know for sure that they're sending them out. I'm uh, making sure the right people see these clips, but it wouldn't surprise me if if they're doing that, yikes, yeah. it's interesting covering covering her and if you're asking
0: yourself why pay attention to a possible candidate for president this far out from an actual election, Joe says paying attention to Christy Nome is going to tell you something about what campaigning as a Republican right now even means.
1: <laughs> Now it's become almost more important to, to have the right enemies than the right allies. And we've saw that under President Trump. And, and Noam's kind of taking a page out of his playbook.
0: So it's campaigning on negativity rather than positivity.
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: Today on the show, the rise of Christy Nome and her all-out battle to keep your attention. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to what next? Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Christy Nome grew up in a farming family. She went to a local college but dropped out and moved home to help the family after her dad died in her 20s. Joe Sneavy calls this a pretty humble, pretty typical background for someone in rural South Dakota. She started in politics in two thousand and six. That's when she won a seat in the state house.
1: you know, she ended up rising through the ranks. I think she was assistant majority leader. You know, she's an attractive lady. She's charismatic. She, she's a good candidate. I'm sure folks uh, in the Republican Party saw saw a good team member there. so
0: from the South Dakota legislature. Nome went on to run for Congress
2: in 2010. That was the year of the Tea Party wave. A week after winning her election, Christine Nome is already grabbing national headlines. Uh, and I think all South Dakotans agree uh, that they make better decisions what to do with their dollars than the federal government does. South Dakota's Congresswoman-elect is in the lead for a newly created Republican leadership slot, a slot that's being interpreted as an olive branch to freshman members and, no coincidence, the Tea Party. From the moment she arrived in D.C., Christine
0: Ohm was polished. She was camera ready. She stuck to her talking points.
2: She parried like an expert with the press. So is that a yes that you would consider cuts in Social Security in some way, shape, or form? Well, if that was a simple answer, I think we would have had solutions before uh, this. So certainly it's not going to be a simple uh, solution that we can come down to and have a yes or no answer. But we certainly do need to have some adult conversations, which we haven't seen. But Christine Nome was not quite popular. When she ran for governor
0: in 2018, the race was kind of a squeaker for a conservative state. She beat the Democrat by just three points.
1: She was never, like, beloved, whereas, like, John Thune is beloved in the state of South Dakota. You know, Noam was just kind of, like, acceptable to folks. And um, now she's, like, sort of beloved by most folks because they, you know, she didn't put them in masks and shut down their businesses and whatnot. So whereas she didn't have this kind of celebrity status even among Republicans in the state before COVID, she does now.
0: So COVID was kind of this chance for Governor Noam to make herself into that beloved person that she wasn't back in 2018.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if she saw, if she like could see the writing on the wall. Uh, Part of me thinks she kind of lucked into it because there was a time in March of 2020 when we could have easily taken the route of Minnesota and North Dakota and Nebraska where we had more heavy-handed restrictions. I know there was a really uh, heated meeting in her office that kind of led to the direction that they were going to take where there was more people in the room who, who were saying, let's play it safe and, and shut down and, and do the things that everybody else is doing. Uh, but there was a couple voices in the room who said, no, we need to stand alone here and protect liberty and not, you know, overreact. And essentially those are the voices she listened to. And then it became, you know, the cases. The cases didn't come the way they were modeled, the deaths didn't come the way they were modeled, so then she felt validated. And then she started getting national play for her. You know, at that point, it kind of became a brand for her.
2: For those of you who don't know, South Dakota is the only state in America that never ordered a single business or church to close.
1: Now, South Dakotans have an independent spirit. You know, We, we don't like being told what to do by government. And, you know, while we were watching our neighbors uh, all around us, you know, having to stay home and and not go to work and things like that, I think South Dakotans, by and large, appreciated kind of getting to make their own decisions.
0: Yeah, I kind of wonder, it's hard for me to tell from the outside if she lucked out because cases didn't rise the way some scientists thought they would or whether she made the right call for her state.
1: And I guess that's up for debate we have over 2000 deaths and we we're definitely in the top half of like per capita deaths. So it's not like we're, we avoided it. You know, our hospitals were never at capacity, but there was a lot of people in them. And some folks say that that could have been avoided if we would have taken more restrictive actions. And other folks say that it was inevitable and we uh, just got through it. You know, we ripped the bandaid off and, and moved on with their lives. So whether or not that was the right way to do it, People still debate about that.
0: She got a lot of pushback for the Sturgis motorcycle rally and having fireworks with the president at Mount Rushmore in the middle of all this. But it never seemed like those decisions kind of rebounded on her, even though plenty of people said they were poor choices at the time.
1: Yeah, part of that is because She's protected. You know, South Dakotans are by and large conservative, and there was never any like political hammer that came down locally. And we didn't see like these events cause a lot of problems for the state afterwards, as far as like spikes in cases, you know, outsiders bringing in COVID and then getting grandma in Rapid City sick or anything like that. There wasn't really any high profile accounts of that stuff happening. So,
0: is that because it didn't happen, or because people left the state after, say, the motorcycle rally?
1: Most of the people that go to the motorcycle rally aren't from the state, so yeah, they probably took it all, all home with them. I know there was some, there were cases definitely linked to the rally, and one death determined to have been linked to the rally. So, but you know, they're, they're bikers. Folks were going to show up to that town whether or not it was an organized event last year or not, which is sort of why the city of Sturgis decided to have the event because they wanted to kind of control it instead of having a free-for-all. And she encouraged communities to do their own approaches and she didn't push back on the communities that issued mask mandates and she didn't push back on communities that, you know, had business restrictions.
0: Well, it's interesting because, like, I think one of the advantages Christy Nome has – is that she's been able to remain ideologically consistent throughout COVID. And what I mean by that is I compare her to a governor like Abbott in Texas, also a Republican. Both of these politicians, Governor Abbott and Governor Nome, talk about liberty a lot and local control. But Governor Abbott, when local communities like Houston, Harris County, started trying to issue mask mandates... He tried to come in as the governor and say, no, you can't do that, and sort of step into this bigger role. And it seems like Christine Noem didn't do that, which is more ideologically consistent with what she says she wants to be doing.
1: Yeah, I can follow that for sure. You know, she preaches local control and left it up to, to the local. Uh, because what's good for—South Dakota is so diverse, too. You know, what's good for Sioux Falls isn't necessarily good for the town of 200 people an hour away. And I think that's, that kind of has guided some of those decisions.
0: Yeah. And you say that locals in South Dakota have like come to a new understanding of Nome, And now you think she's able to sort of enjoy the fact that her constituents say like, we got to stay open and our rates didn't spike the way that we thought they might. So you think you think locals really appreciate her at this point?
1: Yeah, for that. But I don't know how much South Dakotans even think about COVID anymore. It's certainly not dominating the conversation among, you know, at at the coffee tables in the morning like like it like it had been. You know, lately we're talking a lot about cannabis and, you know, broadband. And I mean, we're getting back towards actually policies and projects.
0: But is your governor getting back to that or is she still looking for the triggering issue?
1: That would probably be a fair assessment. Obviously, we only have a legislative session that meets two months out of the year. So the rest of the year, I mean, she's she's kind of free to travel and and shake hands and build her rapport with her constituents. And whereas in the past, that's what governors would do in state. Now she's spending some of that time out of state.
0: After the break, the many ways South Dakota's Governor Christy Nome is trying to raise her political profile.
3: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners. Whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Having seen so much success with her approach to COVID, Governor Nome is now experimenting with applying her own personal brand of Great Plains individualism to other topics. And she's trying to get as much attention for her efforts as possible. But generating attention, building a personal brand, can mean getting messy making mistakes.
1: She sticks her neck out and involves herself in the, in the national conversation, which doesn't have much to do with what's going on locally. So you have, to, I guess that does, it comes down to brand building and like trying to, to get her name out there.
0: I mean, one of the ways she did this was she sent National Guard troops from South Dakota to the border. And it was a sort of funny thing to do because it's sending them a long way, but then also because of how she funded it. Can you explain that story?
1: Yeah, so Texas and Arizona, their governors, have like issued a letter to other states asking for help to manage the border crisis. I think in the letter it actually asked for law enforcement resources. Well, Noam decided that she didn't want to send law enforcement because she wants the police to stay here and protect our communities. So instead she was going to send... Uh, 50 members of the South Dakota National Guard down. And then she announced that this was going to be paid for by a private donation from a Tennessee billionaire. He's a Trump supporter.
0: Is that even legal?
1: Well, I'm trying to figure some of this stuff out because they wouldn't even tell us how much it was. Typically, you know, Texas would have would have reimbursed these costs to the state of South Dakota. I don't know that there's anything illegal about it, like explicitly illegal.
0: Seems like a little bit of a shell game, though moving the money around.
1: Yeah, well, it definitely is. This is so unique and unprecedented that it's just not accounted for in law.
0: And you can see how this works for Noam because she's drawing people's attention back to this culture war issue of immigration and and sort of putting herself in the center of it, even though she's not in a state where she needs to do that at the moment.
1: Well, and, you know, South Dakota is very conservative, so I think people are supportive of uh, using our resources to help stabilize the border. But it raised a lot of eyebrows, even among her, her allies, that, that they would use private money to cover this this expense. There's a billboard right now running in Sioux Falls. It says South Dakota National Guard not for rent. Uh, it ran last week on the other side of the state. Hmm. You know, I think South Dakotans generally don't mind that we're sending troops to the border people are scratching their head of why you would use private money and it feels like we're sort of i don't know pimping out our national guard
0: we're making the national guard into mercenaries or something it's just it's just it's just a weird approach
1: yeah and it's you know i i asked you know why not just hire blackwater you know it it was an unforced error i think
0: she made another error when she got herself involved with the local anti-trans legislation and this was interesting to me because you could see Governor Nome changing her mind. Like originally, like a lot of conservative politicians, she supported anti-trans legislation that was coming out of her colleagues in the state house. And then once it reached her, she didn't want to sign it.
1: Yeah, so, you know, every year there's there's bills to deal with um or to touch on the trans issue. And this time around, it was, you know, in the years past, it's been bathrooms. This time it was fairness in women's sports is how it was kind of characterized. You know, she tweeted that she was really excited to sign the bill when it, when it gets to her desk. And then, uh, you know, she actually told me at a chamber thing or I can't remember what the event was. And she said, ah, I don't know if I'm going to sign it now. So then that became pretty big news that now she's like hesitant on, on signing this thing.
0: Yeah. Were you surprised when she said that to you?
1: Yeah, I knew I had uh, quite the story to break when she said that. All the uh, folks who had supported the bill in the legislature were like, what the hell is going on? You just told us via Twitter last week that that you were excited to sign this bill.
0: It was all about money, it sounded like, where she was worried that tournaments wouldn't come to the state and she doesn't want to give up that NCAA money.
1: Yeah, really it was she decided to veto the bill because she— I was scared of what the NCAA might do if this becomes law in the state of South Dakota. We have Sioux Falls hosts a lot of events, so and a lot of folks book hotel rooms and things like that. And they don't, she didn't want to lose out on that stuff. And some of her advisors uh, are pretty strong members of the South Dakota business community. That became a really big point of contention between some pretty strong Conservatives in the legislature and and the governor, she she fractured some relationships with some typical you know traditional allies.
0: Well, I wondered a little bit if like the bigger relationship that she fractured was with more conservative national Republicans, because as part of this back and forth over the trans bill, she went on Tucker Carlson's show and he called her out for this.
1: And so you're caving to the NCAA. I think that's what you're saying.
2: No, that's not right at all, Tucker. In fact, you're wrong completely. Okay. I've been working on this issue for years. In fact, several years ago. She was certainly doing the
0: thing that the broader party did not want her to do.
1: Yeah, that was a rough week or two following that her because there was tons of headlines out there that, you know, Noam is just like every other politician, bowing to special interests, letting the, quote, woke mob kind of dictate what she's what she's doing
0: yeah, I mean, after, after pissing off her local legislature colleagues, she then took a fight directly to the Biden administration, and it was a fight over whether she could have fireworks. And it just seemed like a weird fight to pick. Can you talk a little bit about what happened here?
1: Yeah, so last year was the first year in a long time that they did fireworks at Mount Rushmore for the 4th of July.
0: Because it was a fire risk, right? Yeah,
1: well, t- under the Obama administration, like the EPA and the National Park Service took more environmental action. And under Trump, you know, she, she got the got him to, to bring it back. And now Biden wouldn't reissue a permit for this year. Tribal communities uh, didn't want it. COVID was a thing, is a thing still. And not to mention, there was apparently some environmental issues that came with Fireworks falling into um, some waterways last year. And it just, and there's a drought going on. So, I mean, that's what the feds cited in saying, no, you're not going to have it this year. And, you know, she, she said that was an arbitrary decision. She didn't like their reasoning. So she, so she filed a lawsuit.
0: Governor Nome lost her lawsuit against the Biden administration. But Joe Sneavy says the ordeal still serves a political purpose for her because she can paint Biden as a killjoy, basically, and say his administration is a drag on the local economy. Joe says that's not about Noam's next gubernatorial election. That kind of rhetoric is all about 2024.
1: Yeah, I don't know why else you would involve yourself in fighting with the federal government so much. You know, she warned at her state of the state that, you know, under Biden, it could be, you know, South Dakota could be, Penalized for some of the positions that that it's taken and the fights that it's waged. So if if that was the case, then you think you might you might tone it down a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wonder in some ways, looking at all the attention Chrissy Nome has been getting, whether part of what she's doing is she's using the media because <laughs> watching her. You kind of realize the extent to which right wing and sometimes left wing outrages drive political coverage,
1: well, she's certainly you know using the media to to get headlines and i I hate writing stories about tweets, but you kind of have to sometimes you know she tweeted you know the feds were looking to relocate these uh, migrant children that were at the border and no. So we're not going to take them. And she tweeted, like, call me when you're an American or something like that. And Ouch. Yeah, it was like, why else would you say that on Twitter unless you were just looking for, for headlines, you know, because that was kind of so inflammatory that we had no choice but to write about it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't account for, I mean, I thought it was probably kind of insulting to the to the 15,000 non-American citizens that live in the state of South Dakota, you know.
0: Joe Sneavy, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I uh, enjoyed it.
0: Joe Snevy is a reporter for the Argus Leader in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And that is our show. Before we go, I've got a quick question for you. With the Delta variant surging, it can be hard to know exactly what the safety protocols are, even if you're vaccinated. So I wanna know how this time has affected your life. Are you masking up again? Have your personal rules changed? And are some of those rules now changing again? Leave us a voicemail at 202-888-2588. What Next is produced by Davis Land, Daniel Hewitt, Elena Schwartz, Carmel Del Shad, and Mary Wilson. We are led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. I'm Mary Harris. Tomorrow in this feed, Lizzie O'Leary is going to be here with a brand new episode of What Next TBD. That is our Friday show. I will catch you back here on Monday.